Get a drink of water real quick. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we're joined by Taylor Proctor, a dynamic entrepreneur's coach specializing in action-driven marketing operations, leadership, and strategy. With 14 years of rich experience, Taylor thrives in environments demanding creative problem solving and operational excellence. As the founder and CEO of Taylor Proctor International and the host of the Get Good at Business podcast, she's dedicated to empowering businesses with innovative marketing campaigns that resonate across channels. Taylor's leadership roles from Win Women to Madrivo to clients like Stanford University, Google Johnson highlight her prowess in driving growth and ensuring brand consistency. I've asked Taylor to join us here today to share her journey, passion, expertise, and dedication. So Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I am doing fantastic. So honored and delighted to be here. Hmm. And so before we hop into some of your accomplishments and tips and tricks, how did you even get started in this? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs where you guys sit around at the dinner table and plan your next lemonade stand or what? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm the black sheep of my family in the entrepreneurial standpoint. In fact, my entire childhood, my, my parents had stable jobs. They worked for other people. And really, the, I never knew or thought about entrepreneurship until I came out on my own. And I went to college for broadcast communication. I was the GM of the college radio station and one of the hit show hosts of one of our top rated shows. And with that, ended up moving out to California to be a radio producer and on-air talent for traffic reporting. And then I came back to Utah and was able to do all of that from home. And I, it was a split shift. And so I had mornings because traffic drive times. So I had mornings and <laughs> afternoons and a split shift in the middle where it was like, okay, what are we doing here? And so I was like, I want to figure out and do something different, something new. And I ended up getting into wedding planning. And that was my first dive into entrepreneurship. And I was in a, I'm going to say medium-sized town in Utah called St. George, where there's a lot of destination weddings. And I was one of the top mm. three wedding planners there and really good relationships with the other wedding planners there. So we would all work each other's events as well, which was amazing. But that was really my first step into entrepreneurship, which really highlighted and taught me how to do marketing and how mm. to lead people because I had to do that for my business. And I had to lead vendors all through events where they were in their skills and their expertise and talents, but I had to help coordinate them. And from there, it really shifted into, I moved back up to my hometown, Salt Lake City and went, okay, I loved wedding planning, but what was my favorite part of my business? It was the marketing. So I mm -hmm. went and got a job as a copywriter and then from there became a content strategist, an SEO and content manager, assistant director of multi-channel campaigns, a senior director of brand love and engagement, VP of marketing. And since then, I've become a CMO, a COO as a fractional executive, and now working fully for myself and the fractional executive kind of rolls into that part. Wow, that's fantastic. So that sounds like a lot of fun, the whole journey. It sounds, I'm sure there were pros and cons. Now, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Were you just good at marketing from the get-go? Was there anything that, yeah, what were some of the biggest challenges? Obviously, marketing is fun, but I, I don't know about you. Maybe it might just be me, but a lot of marketing, my marketing fails. And it's, <laughs> people don't want to talk about that, but a lot of what I try doesn't get the results that I hope for. So what, you were just like a superstar from day one? Uh, I, I wish. <laughs> I think if you asked people that I had worked for, like my bosses, they would say yes. 
for me, it was just a lot of education and a lot of learning. Uh, I would say probably the most challenging aspects of my career when I was in the corporate space really played more on the ability to be trusted to do the things I needed to do. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, if you throw me the keys, I will drive the car and I will take care of it and you'll know it's in good hands. But if you were putting me in the back seat, then cool, I'm along for the ride, but I really struggle in the back seat. And right. so in a corporate setting, it really was, I, I was thriving and I did amazing work for my clients and for the companies I worked for when it was like, here, just take this and we trust you to make it work. And so when it wasn't that, and I had to really establish and build that trust, that was probably the most challenging piece, which I think that when we, as we relate that to marketing and as to business owners and entrepreneurs, right, you've got to build that trust with your audience. And so learning how to do that through your marketing, through your content so that they can throw you the keys and say, here, help me do this, coach me through this, whatever it is, is a huge component. So yeah. I would say it's a challenge for business owners and people in corporate careers alike. So how, how do you get trusted? You show up authentically. And you show up consistently. Ooh. As simple as that, right? If you show up as you and you are excitedly sharing your passions, your expertise, you show up with confidence that like, yes, I know what I'm doing and I know how to drive the car. Give me the keys. I can drive it. Let's do this. When you show up with that and then you show up with that consistently day in and day out, people start to realize, and this is so cliche, but it works. That's why it's a cliche. It's know and trust. And so to get people to trust you, they need to know who you are. So you need to show up authentically and as the real you. They need to like you, meaning that you have shared interests and they understand where you're coming from. And then from there, they trust you because you're showing up consistently in that same way so that they know you know what you're doing and can help them. So get people to know who you are, like you, and trust you. Got it. And I would say yeah. that middle one is the hardest one, the like piece, but because you can't have, you can't respond and you can't be liked and loved by everyone right. and still be authentic, right? You don't want to be liked by everyone. This may not be like popular opinion, but there are a lot of jer jerks and losers out there. I, so I'm, I, knowing who you're not for and listen, I'm, we need, we need that there, where there's diversity, there's stability. So in the jungle, you need all shapes and sizes. Absolutely. If everybody wanted to be a high-powered CEO, there would be no one to drive the delivery trucks. So we need the diversity. But I'm maybe it's just because I'm like 40 right now, but I really could care less about the night. There's a, I don't know if it was a book, but I had a friend, he, he sold $70,000 from stage. And we were in San Diego, maybe just outside San Diego somewhere at an event. So he was a speaker at an event sold $70,000 worth of product from stage in his like 60 minute presentation. And when I asked him about how he did it in that, he talked about really focusing on the bright spots. And I don't think that's his, I think he got it from a book or something. But the idea is whenever you're speaking on stage, there's going to be people that resonate with you. And there's going to be people that are in their yes. phones that don't care. And you really have to focus on the bright spots and making them brighter because their vibration and their glow will pull in the people around them. Whereas if instead you try to focus on the people not paying attention, you just end up losing everybody. It's like that idea of play to your strengths, not your weaknesses. So yeah. many of us are, I'm going to say trained, right? Societally conditioned that you need to be better at your weaknesses and get through those. And the truth is when you can really lean in and hone in on your strengths, then you can get the assistance that you need in your weaknesses. And I would say that's the same concept, right? Brighten the bright spots, you're honing in on your strengths and that is causing a positive ripple effect that right. the weaknesses actually are not as detrimental as you would have previously thought them to be. Oh, 100%. I, I agree. 
we have a lot of societal conditioning that I think is counterproductive for a lot of people. I actually sent an email newsletter out last week, this week, where I talked about the fantasy that everybody agrees to. And the fantasy is, is that we get weekends and holidays and mental health days. Like when you look outside and you see the birds and the ants and the squirrels, none of them can go, hey, cat, I'm having a mental health day. Can you come after my eggs tomorrow? I'm just not going to eat today. I'm not feeling it. I'm so tired from the last thousand days that I've been hunting every day. Today, I'm just going to just chill. I just need that mental health. That's just a fantasy that we all mutually agreed in, to participate in. And that's okay. I'm not saying silence is as part of music as much as noise is. Otherwise, you'd have no melody. But it's just a fantasy. That's just a fantasy. I feel like in some ways, our society has really nurtured people to become pacifier sucking ninnies. Like I just don't. And that's just me. But and obviously, it's not for everyone. But it's the whole it's just the results speak for themselves to a certain extent. I think there needs to be Agreed. more personal accountability, personal responsibility. How about you take care of you and I take care of me and together we are more. I completely agree. And I don't watch a lot of TV, but my husband on a plane trip back from India, we were, he ended up watching on the plane, a National Geographic show. I think it's called Alone. And so then we came home and started actually watching it. And I don't, we watched one or two seasons, but essentially it's these people that go out and they are alone in the wilderness and they have to survive for however many days, right? The hundred days or whoever lasts the longest. And in that they, it's exactly what you said. They're like, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. But if I don't go forage for food, I will not survive. Yeah. I will die. Or if I don't go check my fishing net, or if I don't go put out my traps, like I, I will die. Or I, I don't feel good. I'm sick and I'm throwing up, but I hear an animal on one of my traps. And if I don't go get it, another animal will, and then I will die. <laughs> and so right. it's like, when you get down to the bare bones, brass tacks of it all, as humans, we are animals and we are meant to continue to go forward. Otherwise we will die. And we've just created an environment that really softened things up for us, oh, which yeah. in my, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. There's, I feel like there are a lot of people in the world and I think you're a different breed if you're an entrepreneur, so that's good. Sure. But there's a lot of people in the world that are like, nope, I'm comfortable. I'm stable. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. And we have to survive as business owners to help our business survive. We have got to find that grit, that tenacity and keep on going. Because if we can look at it with the lens of the show, and again, I'm not sure the name, I think it's called alone, right? With that mm -hmm. show, you got to show up every single day and do the work to survive. And as entrepreneurs, we've got to do that with our businesses. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when they talk to like Zen monks and Buddhists who have supposedly achieved enlightenment, they always say you need to chop, or was it carry water and chop wood? And what they mean is that, okay, you've achieved enlightenment, congratulations, but you still exist here and you still need to do the things that you need to do. So even though you're all knowing whatever, you've tapped into the Akashic record or whatever they call that, like you still need to carry water and chop wood. Like you still have to do the mundane things that have to be done to survive because we're here to have an experience and we don't, nobody knows how long we got. And so, yeah, I really think that's powerful. So now let's talk. I could go on this topic for such a long time. There's just so many ills. And I, I think that's part of where we see a lot of people like, oh, I need a better mindset. Like the mindset is, is you suck and that you suck at what you do and that you don't put enough practice in that you need to get better and that you make too many excuses for yourself. I had a staff uh, for, I told you before, I'm helping a client set up a team and I'm, I'm checking in on them every day right now until we get the core group running. 
and they've got a team lead, like it's an agency. So there's already an agency in place, but I'm like boots on ground. And one girl didn't show up to work. And I said, why were you four hours late? She said, oh, it was raining. And I said, what, were you going to die? Are you going to melt? Was it acid rain? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Did you drink something the night before? And it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, what do you call that? Uh, Easter egg. That's an Easter egg. You got to know to be, know the, why that's funny. But yeah. So anyways, like what, like life will life and life is a competition and life and other people will give you 101 reasons to just check out. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You're right. You've worked so hard. Why don't you sit down? Like I have friends that talk about, I don't want to have more kids because the plants are popular. I'm like, great, good. Please work really hard so my kids can inherit all the labor for what the things that you do. They don't realize that this is a multi-generational race. Like our ancestors, they suffered and did what they had to do so we could be here today. And anyways, anyways, let's tie this back into marketing. Because I think at the end of the day, marketing is about solving problems for people. And a lot of these problems tie into our survivalist instincts as well. Can you speak to that a bit? I know well, copywriting, it's a part of copywriting is not just saying flowery words, but actually connecting the dots, the needs, wants, and, and desires. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's, and I also see a lot of people shying away from attaching themselves to pain points, right? So as marketers, mm -hmm. we've been told, really look at the pain points that your ideal client is experiencing and speak to those. There's a lot of people out there who I'm going to say like our pseudo marketers are like, no, people want positive. They don't want to hear the pain point piece. And so speak to the aspirations. And I think that you need to be able to do both. Oh, right. And you absolutely do. And so when it comes to marketing and speaking to your audience and speaking to both and getting a full comprehensive picture so you can do your copywriting or you can do your videos and things like that and truly speak to your ideal client, right. I like to use a system that I call QCAPS. And I wish I had a better acronym for it. I don't. And I've tried. Like, I've gone to the chat GPT and be like, here's these things. Are there different words that can make a better acronym? There are not. So what it is, QCAPS. And it stands for question, concern, aspiration, pain point, situation. So when you can under, understand and identify the questions that your ideal client are asking around a certain topic, right? Insert whatever solution you provide here. Right. You can, when you know the questions that they're asking around that, and it's not questions like, how do I use this product? But it's questions like how, if it's a, let's say you're helping with a cleaning product, how do I make my house smell good, but not reek like chemicals, right? right? It's man, I love my house is clean, but it knocks me on my butt. I and mean, when I walk in the door, how can I fix that? That's the kind of questions we're talking about. Mm. If it's a service that you offer, right? The, what's their question that your service, their question around the thing that your service provides the solution for. Yeah. So let's say that you are a, a business coach, right? What are the questions people are asking? They're asking, number one, how do I get good at business? How do I become a good copywriter? How do I get, and then we even go next, like most important here, how do I get leads? How do I get clients? How do I make more money? Those are the questions they're asking. So when you know the questions your ideal client is asking, you can start to answer said questions in your content, in your copywriting, in your marketing, in your videos, et cetera. Next one is the C, which is concerns. So what concerns do they have around this experience that they're having? right? Whether it's the thing that's the questions or it's the situation, which is the S, right? What is the concern that they have? 
If you are a confidence coach, right, and your client is wanting to get more confident, a concern they may have is I'm getting passed up for promotions. I'm getting passed up on getting pay increases because I'm not showing up confidently. My concern is that my career is stalled because I don't know how to show up confidently. I, I can feel the that's burn just in hearing you talking that. Like I, when you said that, I was like, oof, that's a pain point. Like you said that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's slightly different than a pain point, right? right. Because it's the, what's the concern around this? So then we go to A, aspiration, which is what do they wish this looked like instead? I wish that my house just smelled clean when I clean it instead of like I got knocked on my butt by chemicals when I walk in the door. I mm. wish that I was more confident that I could show up and raise my hand in meetings and have everyone in the room just be amazed by what I say. And I'm not doubting myself every second, right? I wish I didn't have the clammy hands, the throat right. closing up every time I talk in front of someone, right? What do they aspire that their life looks like? Then we go to pain points. And I've touched across all of them in this, but the concern is with the confidence, right? I'm getting bypassed for promotions. I'm feeling stuck and stagnant. The pain points are the emotions and the physical responses behind that. Meaning my hands are clammy. My throat is closing up. I feel like my, the walls are closing in. It's borderline anxiety attack. Anytime someone to, goes to talk to me because I'm so riddled with self-doubt that I don't even know how to function, but I know I want more for my life. And this is a pain point that I need to overcome. And this and is tied into the concerns. Yes. The they all tie in together, right? What are the questions they're asking? What are the concerns? What are they aspiring that it looks like instead? What are the pain points, the physical and emotional reactions that they're feeling? And then the last one is S, situation. And the situation is, what is the situation around this? Which we've touched on several times, which is in the example of the confidence one, right. that they're getting stuck at work. Right. They're not moving forward. That's the situation. And QCAPS is the best way that I could use that acronym, but you could intertwine any of those questions in any order. You could do situation, you could do questions, then concerns, then pinpoints, then aspirations. Either way, when you have the answers to those five core questions, you can really tap into your marketing mm. and understand your audience in a way that it has a higher likelihood and a higher propensity for success. And you are starting to really speak to your audience to go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, building that know and trust factor because you are speaking specifically to them as your right. authentic self, building trust and providing value. And you know them. When, it, when people feel heard and understood, there's a sense of, oh, this person knows me. And yep. I can trust them. They I really love that. Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really love that. And when you said situation, I felt like I could really see that turning into you because I, you often want to describe the ideal solution before you pitch your product. And so I feel like that when you talk about the situation, it was almost like S, situation, solution, and then service, which would be, and I'm, I, forgive me if I'm, you're like, no, don't remix it, Daryl. Just keep it as is. But, <laughs> um, or after you go into the situation, this is your current state. Look, this is the current situation. If nothing changes, this is what is. An ideal solution would look like this. And, and actually, here's the here's service this I solution. have to yeah, offer. That fits into it. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I was like, that's really good power. I may or may not have mentioned this to you before, but to tie into kind of a lot of this, I had done research before. So I'm skipping things here. A lot of my listeners know that in 2020, I spent a considerable amount of money to hire 10 research assistants to help me go through all the academic literature. And we uncovered eight critical success factors for small and medium-sized businesses. So we looked at studies from Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, America, Australia, hundreds and thousands, literally thousands of studies. We combed through, tried to narrow down to the best ones, and we found these eight critical success factors. And they are 
self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management, business operations, and business intelligence. And of those eight, when we took each of those eight and we drilled down into each of them, and speaking to like how we started this call, one of the most important is self-efficacy, right? Which is you got to show up and do the work. You got to have, you got to control the things that are within your control. You have to be going, you have to be willing to go out there. A business solves problems for other people. So you have to figure out how to be willing to go out, be open to experiences, be open, willing to put yourself out there. You can be an introvert, but you have to be willing to go out there. You also have to be agreeable and conscientious and you have to accept criticism and feedback to improve. And a lot of people talk about leadership skills and based on our research, leadership skills are specifically self-awareness skills, communication and cooperation skills, emotional intelligence skills, and adaptability. And then the third one, like subcategory of self-efficacy was personal disciplines, like mental health, physical health, yep. time management, having a sense of urgency. But when we talk about marketing strategy, that a big part of marketing strategy, there's two things that I was really surprised by actually. Not once. So first off, all marketing strategies are built on your market intelligence. And then the product characteristics, the quality and fit of it, it's utility, efficiency, user experience, all that stuff matters. Then you have to have intense advertising and networking behind getting your message out there. And I think a lot of people really underestimate how intense that activity needs to be, especially in the early days. There is momentum, but yes. that's where you hear these 10-year overnight success, right? These 10-year overnight successes, because it took them 10 years to build the momentum. So up until then, you need intense advertising and networking, to, like the whether you want to go with the five Ps or the seven Ps or the 12 Ps or whatever, putting for your promotion. And then the two things that I said, not so brand integrity and trustworthiness didn't surprise me, but it's definitely a factor, which is like how transparent they are, how customer focused they are, their USP is, how authentic they are, how consistent they are. But one, the one that really surprised me was the corporate social responsibility. We found a direct correlation between community development, ethical values, and conforming to legal processes with long-term profitability of a business. And of course, all of this is wrapped up in scientific testing, that sort of methodology of P1 plus TS plus EE equals P2, which is Karl Popper, one of the earliest science educators. So we don't really have a scientific method. There's no process by which we guarantee breakthroughs. What we have is a process that helps us eliminate or stop fooling ourselves. And so that is problem one, temporary solution, <clears throat> plus eliminate errors. And that takes you to problem two. And now how do we eliminate errors? Through experimentation, observation, data collection, right? Collaborating with others in the space. And so either you arrive at problem two or you've learned what's wrong with your temporary solution and you repeat the process. And so I think that's incredibly powerful, but but again, you have to show up and, and communicate with the people. You, the, all of your marketing strategy is built on your market intelligence, which means being able to speak to the exact things that you talked about. You want to know some things too for your strategic plan, like what's the potential market size, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, you got to, you have to speak to one person. So what would and you you've recommend? Gotta, you've got to oh. know their QCAPs. <laughs> right. Yeah. The QCAPs. That's right. Got to know the QCAPs. What would you recommend to someone who's starting out and maybe struggling right now? They've got a business, either it's been around for a while and they're just, just, they're not doing as well as they thought they would, or they're new. What do you recommend? So a lot of people don't like it when I say this, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I don't want to hear it, but so I, one of the services I offer is extremely action oriented, meaning that we come in, we work together and we cross off all the items that you've been 
procrastinating, you felt overwhelmed by, that you don't know how to do, that you need to know to do to build your business. And in that, and whether you're procrastinating because you don't know how to do it, it feels overwhelming. It's, there's a fear of uh, success, right? Oh, I feel like this is going to be the thing. And I'm a little worried about that, but you don't know it until you get to it. Right. But there's this huge, there's all these huge things that need to get done in your business. And I find that a lot of people who are struggling and a lot of people who are new don't work through the procrastination. And this coming from me as a coach, I think that there's so many incredible coaches out there, but they coach you and they coach you on the mindset, which is important, but they coach you on that. And then you leave with more homework than you came with because you didn't actually get shit done. done right. Instead, yeah. you just mindset it and believed it. And then what happens is the next day, because you're exhausted, the next day you go to sit down and do it and you struggle to do it because you're not in real time working through those hiccups and then actually getting the work done. So there's not a sense of accomplishment. There's not a sense of achievement. There's not a sense of power. Instead, it's just like you're struggling and slogging through in your business and you're not where you want to be. And you're not quite sure why, because everyone's telling you, oh, just focus on your mindset. And it's no, get in and do the work. And if you need help getting in and doing the work, find someone who is action centric. That's going to help you not only work through the beliefs, but cool. We've worked through that belief. Now we're going to do the work. And by the time mm. we're done together, you're going to have all eight of the things off your list completed. So you're ready to propel and jump your business forward. So that's my long answer to look at where you're postponing, look at where you're procrastinating and really look at it and go, okay, how do I work through this and actually work through it? Because mm. if you're struggling or you're just starting out, like I have found that's the number one factor in both of those instances. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because they want to pretend that they're working really hard and they're getting a lot done. And yeah. I would wager to bet that 95% <clears throat> of the time, that's not the case. Yeah. I love that you said that because when pe people, it's hard for people to admit, and I maybe I might be as guilty as this as anyone, but we don't know what we don't know. And often yes. when things don't go well, people just do what they know to do harder. But if you, there's a book called the theory of constraints and the idea, this comes from manufacturing process. And if you have a five-step process and <clears throat> just to keep it simple, we're going to say maybe you're bottling orange juice. Okay. First, you got to get the oranges into the machine. That's step one. And then you got to squeeze them. Then you got to filter out the juice. Then you got to put the juice in bottles and then you got to do put box it. And so you have this five-step process and the step one can handle a volume of 50. Step two can handle a volume of 50 or 60. Step three can hold, handle a volume of 10. Step four or four can handle a volume of 30 and step five can handle a volume of whatever, five. You not doing anything other than this bottleneck is a waste of time because you have 50, 50, like 10. And even though this one's five, it's not even getting here. This is the biggest bottleneck. So you have to look at the process and you have to fix it. And a lot of people, like I said, they just do the things they know what to do harder and they don't actually, maybe they're even missing a step. Maybe I had an expert on here before a big, she was working with a big software company and she had said they had a three-step process. And after I did an analysis of 600 of their user accounts, I recognized that they needed a four-step process, not a three-step process. And that's like a big, you just don't know what you don't know don't at some know. point. And that's why you call in the experts to be like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. What are you doing? Okay, what if we tried this? And then that's the linchpin that you didn't see and right. you didn't know it was there. Yeah, let's say we have two people that want to win a gold medal in the Olympics. And one's just going to get a bunch of CDs, cassettes, VHS tapes, whatever, books, hang out in his garage with his buddies, and they're just going to figure it out. They have full potential to get there, 100%. I won't say they won't. They definitely do. 
other person goes, you know what? I'm going to go get three previous gold medalist winners <laughs> to come and to coach me on how to do this. I think it's just very self-evident who seems like they're going to get there faster, easier, and with less setbacks and headaches, right? Both have the capacity and potential to get there. One of them was might go down a lot of rabbit holes and waste a lot of time and miss a lot of important nuanced things and maybe even do the wrong things uh, in the wrong order versus the right things in the right order. Whereas the other ones, they've got three people that have been there, done that. They almost have a yellow brick road laid out for them. And if you look at that same analogy, that same example, right? When you are reading in books, let's say how to swim, both of these people have the propensity. They know how to, they know how to swim. Right. But one's reading books and being like, okay, what do I need to do? And slogging through the water. The other one has a coach that's saying, oh, cup your hands slightly differently and you will get two seconds off your time. That is impossible to see from your own eyes if you're just reading it. And even if you're watching playback tape, if you don't know to look for that, you don't know to look for that, which is where the coaches, those people who have received the gold medals before, they're like, oh, just cup your hands and do this. And you're there. You've cut five seconds off. Yeah, actually, you speak. I call it just-in-time learning. So there's a lot of like just-in-time shipping and just-in-time manufacturing. I call it just-in-time learning. I hitchhiked across Canada six times in my kind of late teens, early, no, late teens. I think I was done it because I I moved from Ontario to BC, and I left when I was 17, and all I had was like a thousand bucks, and I'd already lived out there, and I wanted to go back. I did this mm-hmm. program where I got right, called Katimovic. I got to travel and work around Canada for nine months: three months BC, three months Alberta, three months Quebec. I want to go back out to BC. So I was hitchhiking back and forth. And I remember I get dropped off in a town and I'd never be in the city because I'm hitchhiking and I have to go somewhere. And I'd be like, excuse me, like, how do I get to this? I'm, I've got like a, I'm renting a room or whatever at this place, or this is my motel. Because the people they're going on the highway, they're not trying to go in the city and go with you. They're like, Hey, here's a bus stop. There you go. And off they go. So I'm like, Hey, how do I get here? And people would say, Oh, we got to go four blocks straight and then you hang a left and then three blocks down and you make a right and then two blocks and you go around the roundabout and you go under the bridge and this. And I remember walking one day and it was all in my memory. And I'm like, I didn't write this down. I didn't have to memorize it seven times. It's because my survival depended on knowing what, where to go. Cause it's 3 AM and there's nobody else on the street, but that one person that I asked. And I realized that just in time learning. So when you talk about reading a book, you read a book and say, hey, here's the 10 story blueprint. And you're like, oh, that's great. But if you're on level three, trying to get to level four, everything above level four doesn't matter. You need to make sure that you've got levels one and two and three, and then make sure you do level four properly. So it's not like one of those Jenga blocks towers that just collapses at the end of the tower of Pisa. The well, leaning and, tower and of Pisa. <clears throat> you tend to get, if you, and I'm not saying it's not important to read. I love to read and sure. I, the information is there, right. but like I, I was speaking with a client the other day. And he was like, I, he's launching a fulfillment department. And he said, I just like, how do I get to the point where I'm creating SOPs? And I've been a CEO. I love operations and I love SOPs, which I know is a unique thing. But I was like, look, SOPs are amazing, but you don't need SOPs. You don't even have any processes to document. (laughs) The first first thing Ah. you need to do is that you need to. Well, and he's, I got to get these people on board and I'm like, do you have a vision for your department? Let's get people united on the direction we're going. Because when you say we're an efficient, effective and customer centric fulfillment company, then now everyone knows, okay, we're efficient, we're effective and we're customer centric. All of our projects that we're building out now 
support that. Our technology decisions now support that. Our sprints of implementing everything we need to do now support that. Mm. And now those Mm. are all implemented. Now you have processes that you can document. But he was 10 steps down the road when I'm like, do you have a vision for your department to get everybody on board and start setting timelines and accountability and these next steps? And he was like, oh no. (laughs) And so we had, we actually had that conversation on Monday night and yesterday. So it's only two days later. He came and was like, hey, here's my presentation. Here's my vision. Here's my values. Here's all the values, how they focus into what we're actually building. And I'm having one-on-ones with my team. We're setting sprint schedules. We're setting timelines. We're working towards MVP, which is minimum viable product to get this out the door because we have clients coming in and we're going to continue to evolve from there. And at the end of the sprint, I have a section where they can start putting in SOPs if it's needed. And I'm like, yes, exactly. But he didn't, he couldn't see the basic beginning steps because he had heard that we need all of these things to be successful. And it's, yeah, but we've got to work towards MVP, that minimum viable product, which is that survival skill. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned minimal viable product. My favorite story, my audience knows I use this one a lot about minimum viable products is how Elon Musk made $300 million. That's $300 million selling a car he had no factory to build and no team to help him make he made a minimum viable product he showed it to the world and said hey if you'll put a thousand dollars down you can be the first to pay for the rest of it (laughs) and he collected three three hundred million dollars so i just want to let people know that you can put people on waiting lists that actually works that is an actual thing that works and it's almost like confirmation and it actually will fund your venture. And it's a crazy concept because businesses, I know this might sound crazy, but businesses are supposed to be self-sustaining entities where the customers basically are voting with dollars to keep the thing alive. And so if you're not engaged with a community that to vote with those dollars, you need to find one. And maybe you too can make three hundred million dollars with a pre-sell minimum viable product right pre-selling a minimum viable product and i bet you he had no sops he had none how to run why why would he 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 doesn't have a menu if he doesn't have a manufacturing facility he wouldn't have any sops to even put in place to fine-tune and optimize from right yeah actually i had a guest actually guest and client a very good client say this, interviewed them this week, actually. And uh, he said that the market authorizes your business idea. A lot of people want to seek approval of others, but it's the market that authorizes your business or not. So that I felt that was such a powerful way to explain it because it means that one, you have to know who you're going to approach. And two, they have to vote on it with their dollars. And those two things alone solve so many problems. I feel like a lot of people have when they start up that They're talking to no one. They're cackling like mad scientists alone in their house and they're getting the approval of their friends and family. And it's how they feel. I feel warm and fuzzy about this. It's my baby. No, it can be your baby. It's called, there's nonprofits. But to be profitable, you need the support of a community of sorts. And you got to go out there, which goes back to intense networking and advertising. Yep. So uh, I love that. So let's go hit this hammer on the head. Let's go. What are some of the other mistakes that you see your clients and other entrepreneurs making? I see a lot of messaging miscommunication, right? There, mm. There's a lot of not selling the transformation or the solution. It, it's selling the 
factual pieces of whatever they're offering, right? And so it's like, you have to sell the transformation, the solution first. You have to know the answers to the QCAPs. And most importantly, you have to take action. And then after that, I see the biggest mistakes being that the lack of consistency, they get in, you you get in your own way, you get in your own way. And so it's, if you can set yourself up for, and you had mentioned this as one of the, of one of the subcategories within the eight is this self-discipline. If you can sell, set yourself up for self-discipline, it is a matter of time, not a matter of if. Right. Yeah. It, everybody here probably remembers that guy that gave up. You, do you remember? No, <laughs> no, nobody else does either. Only right. if it's yourself that you remember that guy yeah. all the time. Yeah. Nobody, anybody remember the sperm that didn't make it to the egg? They just gave up halfway. <laughs> what were they called again? What were they called again? That's why I've, I've, I'm going to hit this hammer. I've never known, I was an orphan, but I've never known participation awards in my life. And I feel like part of the rot that we've seen in our Western societies is this like rubber padded room participation society. And I get it's good intentions, but the pathway to hell can be paved with good intentions. And it's this participation award, you're valuable and we love, everyone has value. Everyone is, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but everyone has value. They're here for a reason, but some people are here to be bad. A good example of what not to do. And it's just, like I said, we're just a bunch of pacifiers sucking ninnies that want a monthly universal basic income check so they can just, I don't know what, I don't even know what. As someone who retired early and then got to the beach and after the week, two week was like, I am going crazy. You got to get back I mean, to work. I got to get back to work. What is going on here? Like you, because even like the, it's like a garden. You can't, Jim Rohn says this. If you have a garden, you can't cover your eyes and say, there are no weeds. There are no weeds. They'll take you off to the loony bin. You have to meticulously take care of your garden and take care of it. And this is like the, the daily, I need to get up and do stuff because a lot of people don't even realize. And I've seen this with myself. I struggled at one point and I've seen this in relatives, family members that I have, that when like the structural things in their life change, the, the demons take over. For example, like when I have a mini retirement, I'm from Canada. Marijuana was legal there before it was legal. So I'm from Canada. And when I had enough money for a whole year, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to wake and bake today because I deserve it. I've done so well. Pat on the back. Hey, I'm going to show up to this client meeting high because if they don't like me for who I am, I don't need them. But then all of a sudden it's like something that was more like an after work, after dinner, pre-bed thing now became... And, the, and I saw that in a relative. I had a relative that had an injury at work. They had a union job and they had to get uh, six, seven, eight months off uh, to, for it to heal, which was great. And the same thing, this person's habit was to come home from work, watch hockey, have a couple of beers. And it was never an issue for years because it was just a couple of beers before bed. But now that they're home all day, hey, I can watch hockey all day. I can drink all day. And all of a sudden the recovery period got started getting extended and extended. And the reason why they weren't recovering is because they had become a really bad alcoholic. And these are things where like, we have structural things in our place in our lives that we might gripe against. Oh, I got to get up to go to work to make the money to pay the bills of this month. But in the absence of those, we have to find the mental fortitude in our why. Like some, you have to find those. Otherwise, some things in the jungle don't kill you and eat you. They just feed on you for as long as they can. And otherwise, if you don't, you will either succumb or you will be fed upon by, by parasites. And so that's just a real... I, I'm, I feel like I got to close the, get off the soapbox here, but it's just a real, people need to figure out why are you here? What problem do you want to solve in the world? I think Ikigai is a good, useful tool, which is somebody said it was four. I thought it was three. I thought it was the intersection of what's your passion about, what you're good at, what people will pay for, you know, that intersection. Well. 
Yeah, I don't know. Somebody said there was four. I was like, oh, okay. But it's something like that where you're passionate and good at something that people will pay for. And that becomes your profession that you contribute to the world. And there is something like work-life balance. I saw a movie as a kid called Groundhog Day and it made a big impact on me. Do you know the movie? I saw the oh, smile. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Watch guy... that snap. It's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's kind of a terrible character. He's, he lacks a lot of the virtues, we would say, that you might think that would be good to have. And he somehow gets trapped. Re every morning he wakes up reliving the same day. And then it's once he tries all these ways to get out of it and nothing works. And eventually he submits to his fate. And I guess he decides that if I have to live the same day over and over again, I'm going to make it the best damn day ever. And all of a sudden he becomes a blessing to his community. He's a bright light in other people's lives. He's, he's giving way more value than he takes in the world. And all of a sudden one day he wakes up and gets to see the next day. And I took that to me. I was like, what if I had to live the same day every day? What would my day have to look like? So I loved what my life had become and who I've become and what I have when I'm 80, 90. What would that one day, 24 hour routine look like? So I do agree that there should be some sort of semblance of work-life balance, but at the same time, I don't think, like we talked about at the beginning, I think there's a lot of fantasy in our society right now and people need to figure out and disassociate uh, what serves them from the parasitic things that maybe aren't as useful as people might think they are. And I, I like to work with my clients on, so it's, there's buffer. There's things that we do to buffer, right? There's mm. things that we have stuff that happens in our life. So like your, did you say it was your uncle, your cousin that had an injury? A lot of us don't want to face the injury. We don't want to face the divorce or we don't want to face whatever it is. And so we go to these techniques to buffer. And then mm. those buffering techniques turn from entertainment, the mm. occasional entertainment, the hockey game, the beer after work, whatever, right. the entertainment, they turn to escapism. Oh, yeah. And what that looks can be any number of things, right? In the extremes, that's drugs, that's alcohol, that's porn. In yeah. the more societally accepted, it's binge watching, yeah. it's overeating, it's ever scrolling, yes. it's gaming, right? Yeah. It's all of those things to escape. And so as entrepreneurs, we really have to take a hard look at what we're using to buffer and what we're buffering from. And I yeah. like to teach a technique called CLEAR, and it stands for circumstance, language, emotion, action, and results. So any circumstance that is happening in your life is absolutely neutral. You got a client, it's neutral. You lost a client, it's neutral. It's the language that you attach to that event, that circumstance, that language in your head that attaches the meaning. That meaning immediately invokes emotions. You act on those emotions and you get results. So let's say that you lost a client and that's devastating because that's your only client. <laughs> Hopefully we're diversifying our portfolios. Right, but, yeah, one is but, a terrible you know, number of business. Yes, but so let's say that you lose that client. It's devastating. And everyone's like, you've worked so hard, maybe just take a break, recover. And you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna watch The Office. And <laughs> you start to watch TV and it keeps going and keeps going. What happened is that circumstance, your language said that this is devastating. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I have to try again. And your emotion said, okay, well, you're exhausted. You're anxiety riddled. You're depressed. The action is that we're just going to try and sift through this and ignore it by buffering and watching TV. Yep. And then the results are that you didn't go out and get a new client because you've just been wallowing, essentially. But that can all shift and change with the L, with the language, right? The circumstances, right. the language is, you know what? This is an amazing opportunity for me to go out and get 
three more clients compared to this one, because now I'm not bogged down by this client taking up all my time. I can focus on my marketing. I can focus on my sales. I can put the processes in place that when I land these three, that I now know to diversify my portfolio, get more clients, get a team, whatever that may be. And now the emotions are, okay, I'm actually excited about this. I'm driven. I'm like, let's go get it. What's the actions? You start taking actions based off those emotions and you get different results. So the circumstance, the language, the emotion, the action, and the results, you can apply that to any element of your life, but specifically as entrepreneurs, when the things that we use to entertain ourselves shift to escapism, that is when you really got to be like self-aware, ears perk up and go, what am I doing to myself and how am I surviving, which really is not surviving at all. Oh yeah. I start. I realized that social media had become a parasite in my life and I deleted anything that had timelines, feed just scrolling from YouTube to all of them. I, I kept the ones where I can just message people. Like it's just names and conversation threads. If it had a timeline or a feed, I got rid of it. And it was immediate. I could see how I would have like a habitual inclination to want to go check, but now I can't because I can't get there. Now I still, it's not like I don't, but it's, I have rule only when I'm in these areas of my house. I can't use this. I have to use my laptop and I can only use it when I'm in these areas of my house. I can't use it when I'm in those areas. You know, you have to keep those boundaries. Cause again, like I said, not everything in the jungle kills you needs you. Some things want to feed on you forever. And the world will make a ton of excuses for you to slow down, for you to go easy, for you to be a little bit easier to catch. I want to wrap up with one of my favorite quotes. Every morning in Africa, uh, a lion wakes up or sorry, every morning in Africa, when the sun comes up, a lion wakes up and it knows it must outrun the fastest gazelle or it will be killed every morning in africa a lot gazelle wakes up and uh, sorry this outrun the slowest gazelle or it will be killed and every morning in africa a gazelle wakes up and it knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed and so the moral of the story is it doesn't matter if you are a lion or a gazelle when the sun comes up you better be running you gotta I run just, yeah you gotta run and that's where health wealth love happiness survival skills for the future that's almost a checklist wake up check your health. Then what do you need to do for your wealth, right? The resources that you need to provide, to chop, to have wood, to chop, to have water, to, to the bucket, to carry the water, health, wealth, love, self-love, loving the people around you, health, wealth, love, happiness, which I think is not necessarily something you pursue on its own, but some, it's a side effect of the things that you've done already. And then survival skills. What do I need to learn? What do I need to prepare for? For some people it could be a daily checklist in order of priority. So anyways, Taylor, this has been such an action pack call. I've got a couple of pages of notes here. I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? I can see the gears turning there. My yeah. Goodness. I'm like, oh gosh, what, that's, this is one, that's one of those questions where it's like, you have any like final words, anything finally you'd like to say? I would like to, I think that the final thing is no matter where you're at in your business journey, right? Whether you've been in it for years, you're just starting out. I work with people who are just starting out. I work with people who are established and I work with what I call enterprise startups, which is like Mm. these startups who are within their one to three years, but they're already valued at 10 million. They're already looking to sell the organization within a five-year period for over a billion. And wherever you're at in that, the things that we have discussed today, the discipline, the coming and showing up, the speaking to your audience and knowing who they are, the stepping into all of that, the getting good at business, which is my whole thing right now. My The movement I'm standing behind is get good at business mm. and everything that entails. And no matter where you are at in that scale of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial skill and talent and expertise and time, wherever you're at, the things that we have discussed today are foundational to the success, no matter mm. where you're at. 
because even if you've, you're at the top of the food chain, you're the lion, you still got to get up and run. 100%. 100%. Taylor, if people want to learn more, they want to get in touch with you, how do, how do they connect? Yeah, you can go to getgoodatbusiness.com or, and it goes to the same site, taylorproctor.com. So whichever is more memorable for you, if you go there, you can find all my contact information and find ways to work with me. And I'd love to chat. So let's go to getgoodatbusiness.com or T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-R-O-C-T-O-R.com. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor and pleasure. Thank you for sharing with my audience and my following, knowing that you have your own clients, your own following, your own audience to take care of. Thank you for coming and sharing and helping us all do a little bit better. Thank you.